One, two, three, yes, wrestling. Charlotte Flair shut the mouths of all the internet porn-watching Morlocks. I have moles. Yes, the subterranean mammal. And Seth Rollins was like, yeah, psych. And he just hit the sledgehammer onto the toolbox, onto the chair, onto the ladder with Bray Wyatt's head safely underneath. They want us to be cheering Seth Rollins after he attacked a mentally handicapped man. So let's move on to Monday Night Raw, sponsored by Brazzers. Yeah. Uh, nothing like helping out my friends with gold dust and, well, you know, the women in underwear. Welcome all you yesenites to one two three yes wrestling. Tonight is the only episode fifty seven there will ever be. We are gonna bring some love. I'm Chris. I'm joined by Corey and Ed. How we doing, guys? No, 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 Jim Rats. That is not how we're gonna start off this episode. Because yes, you know what? I am tired of being demoted to the end of the episode when people stop listening anyway. So you know what? Here we go. This is Mr. Fitness's Sits and Fits. Yeah, that's right. Two in a row, baby. I want to play a game, and it's called Change My Mind. Angel Garza is a bigger superstar than his cousin, Umberto. Change My Mind. Japanese women are killing the AEW women's division. Change My Mind. Randy Orton cut a better promo without saying a single word than any other promo by any superstar this week. Change my mind. Ruby Riot returning just saved Liv Morgan's wrestling career. Change my mind. Cody's 10 Lashes was the best storytelling segment this week. Change my mind. Edge versus Orton, Undertaker versus Sting, and all this could be at WrestleMania. Clearly, Vince still runs the ship, people. Sorry, Triple H. Change my mind. Uh, this just in this episode of Sits and Fits is brought to you and paid for by the XFL. Yes, it's back, and the action starts this Saturday. Watch the Seattle Dragons versus the D.C. Defenders at 1 p.m. Central, and L.A. Wildcats versus the Houston Rednecks at 4 p.m. Central. Wait, do you need more? Sunday, you can get the New York Guardians versus the Tampa Bay Vipers, and even the Dallas Renegades against... Corey's favorite, the St. Louis Battlehawks. By God, Corey, did you <laughs> write something in my sits and fits? I mean, can you accept the fact that the XFL is nothing but a minor league reject of football? My goodness, what the heck's going on? You know what? Here, I got a, a sponsorship for you. Mr. Fitness Sits and Fits is brought to you by the good old Shake Weight. Yes, <laughs> that's right, the Shake Weight. Because nothing is better than an exercise equipment that improves your masturbation skills. You know what? 
This is Mr. Fitness's Sits and Fits, reminding you, don't sit, just stay fit. You know, just to put a little razzle-dazzle on all of that, there's a good chance that Japanese women make the shake weight. <laughs> I don't even know where to go after that. That was that was a roller coaster if I've ever heard one of emotions. Corey, are you um, with us? Okay, so for the record, I did not write anything into his uh sits and fits script. Clearly the XFL has uh seen the value in our segment known as sits and fits. So, I mean, Hey, props to them. Watch XFL people watch XFL. <laughs> Nobody's watching the XFL. I was at a Super Bowl party and I kept asking people like there were people legitimately saying exactly what Vince McMahon doesn't was like trying to answer. Oh, football's over. What am I going to do next week? Like I literally heard people say that at the party I was at. And I said, you know, the XFL starts next week. What's that? And I did that like three times to people because I kept hearing people being sad football was over and nobody knows the XFL. The XFL is going to be on Fox. The Super Bowl was on Fox. Why did I see one commercial? And they got two games on Saturday and two games on Sunday. I'm telling you this right now. The fact that Fox and ESPN are going to be airing these episodes, this is why it's going to succeed. They have it on the right stations. I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm all down for football. So. Oh, wait, it's football. I thought it was a frisbee league. Hey, so we're Chris, not getting football frisbee. That would be. You know what, Ed? Don't don't start hopping on the bandwagon when you realize this becomes a success. Okay, because we don't want you. We don't want you. What? I, I mean, what percentage do you really think this is going to be successful? Like, I mean, what about it? Like I, I'm, I'm all for it being successful, but I mean, is there anything that's actually pointing to it being successful this weekend? So, so here's what you got to do, because watch the game and watch the flow of the whole thing, because they do have some differences in in some of the rules, and they did, you know, a lot of uh, like uh, surveys and studies and stuff from people to see what is it that they don't like about the NFL, and they took all that data. And then they kind of, you know, tried to see what things could they change based on the the criticism. So I do think there's going to be some aspects. Like I said, the overtime rule, which is going to be kind of more like a shutout, I'm more intrigued by that. Um, And then also I believe there's going to be no extra point kicks. So, like, they're going to just – it's going to be kind of like two-point conversion attempts where – if they do it at a certain yard line, it'll be one point. If you go further back, it'll be two points. Like yeah. I think that there's it's a the potential. two yard li- the two yard line for one point, the five yard line for two points, and the ten yard line for three points. Right. So it's like I, I think it's gonna that kind of stuff. Now, granted, is everyone gonna be on the bandwagon after this weekend? Probably not. It's gonna take time to evolve, but you don't know. I mean, this could be this could be more interesting because, like I said, they're trying to create more action. And and eliminate the things that we criticize about the NFL. So is are, so are they not going to have goalposts? No. Wow. Well, I mean they're they're going to be there because they're playing in stadiums that you know are already set stadiums, probably college stadiums, but um, they just won't need the goalposts. Well, that doesn't make any sense. I don't want to see the goalposts. Have them take them down. I'm not watching a game until they take the goalposts down. 
I mean, why, take the goalposts down. Ed, why are you so worried about the goalposts anyway? I mean, it's like you're you're a Chicago fan. We all know about the double doink, and we want to forget all about that anyway. Exactly. I don't want the goalposts there. I'm intrigued if they have no goalposts. If you're telling me there's goalposts, then there's no Then there's there'll no never be another double doink. All right, guys. We are going to move on from the XFL. Next week, we will talk more about it when Corey gives his full review on opening weekend and how his fantasy XFL team ended up doing. But we are going to jump into some news this week because, once again, the Revival have asked for their release. They're, apparently their contracts are running up here in April, so it's not they're not even that far away at this point. I think Dawson, whichever one was injured, ended up with like an extra 10 weeks tacked on. You know what? But, I got something to say. Mr. Fitness had quite a little rant. Corey had a little bit of a rant about the XFL. I have a little bit of a rant about this piece of news, the revival. And I'm going to say it right now. They're buttheads. You want to know why they're buttheads? Because they turned down $700,000. That's a lot of freaking money for a professional wrestler. And number two, here's what I'm getting really sick of. Everybody wants to be a star now all of a sudden. Everybody feels that they're important enough to get million-dollar contracts, right? So now they're going to hold up Vince McMahon any chance they get. Well, guess what? The Revival ain't that good. I'll say it. The Revival's good, but they're not that good. And they're just another person on a long list of people that are not worth the money that they're getting paid, in my opinion. So that's what I wanted to say about that. Well, I'm glad Biff from Back to the Future has joined us this evening. Um, <laughs> butthead comment. Butthead. <laughs> um, however, I am going to definitely have to agree with that on this one, man. Um, I, I was actually reading something from Booker T, uh, Booker T's response to uh, the revival, not not taking the deal and Booker T just flat out said, he was like, you know, if WWE came to me and said, I'll pay you a million dollars a year. You're not going to win the tag titles. You'll get some TV time. You know, Booker T said, take the money and go. Um, It's interesting. Ed saying, you know, everybody wants to be a star. And and here's the thing. AEW isn't, it seems like everybody's like, oh, let me get on my contract and we go to AEW, they'll make me a star. Okay, here's the thing. I mean, they're already, they got a good, decent stack of stars right now. And not everyone can be a star, even over at AEW. I mean, you need your curtain jerker uh, wrestlers. You need your mid cards. You need your main eventers. And right now, with the fact that Cody, MJF, the Young Bucks, the Lucha Brothers, um, John Moxley, Chris Jericho. I mean, I can keep listing all those names I just said are big stars on that on that show, and they only have a two-hour show. So it's like these people need to take a step back and just analyze really what's what's the best option for them. Uh, you forgot Sean Spears. Oh wait, he's in the exact same position he was in in WWE. <laughs> So, you know, it's one of those things that, yeah, I mean, hey, I am all for, you know, if you're not feeling fulfilled creatively, if you're not happy with your job, there's no amount of money that's going to make you want to stay. I understand that and I'm fine with that. But, yeah, it depends on what you're exactly looking for. And like I said, bouncing the people off of each other with these big contracts, it's kind of crazy. But, yeah, hey, I mean, I, I can't hate on someone for trying to get more money, but... It's hard when you're uh, not creatively fulfilled. I guess I can understand that a little bit. I wasn't f- creatively fulfilled either, and I took my ball and went home. 
Mm-hmm. But hey, I'm just saying, when you've made it to the WWE or AEW for that matter, or even Ring of Honor, you've you're done pretty good for yourself. And to Corey's point, somebody's got to be enhancement talent. I get it. Everybody yeah. wants to be Stone Cold. Everybody wants to be The Rock, but it's not going to happen. No, I 100% agree. And yeah, the Revival com- did great matches in NXT, and they did their thing. The main roster hasn't been that nice to them, and but the main roster tag division's kind of in shambles. And you know, who knows? Maybe the Good Brothers regret signing their fat contracts. And nah, they got them, paid. They oh, got I know paid. they did. I know they did. So they're in it for the money, not mm-hmm. the science. But it definitely, it definitely looks like the. <laughs> It definitely looks like the Revival are going to be on their way out. So we'll see. Chances are we'll see them in AEW later on this year, um, barring any crazy announcements. Um, another another big signing idea, which of, unfortunately I'm not going to be able to add too much on, but it was announced this week that Timothy Thatcher and Killer Cross from Impact Wrestling have both been signed by the WWE this week. It came out as very big news. I've heard the name Killer Cross. I know what he looks like. I know what he does, but I'm not familiar with his work in Impact. Um, but supposedly he's a beast and he's a big dude. And there were a lot of reports of a big contract and him even possibly jumping right to the main roster. So um, kind of big news to see because they're really looking at him as a big player. So we might be seeing a lot of him really soon. Yeah, for me, um, unfortunately, Impact, I, I don't watch any of it. Uh, but Killer Cross, I, I I might have seen him at an indie show. Um mm-hmm. I, I can't remember, but looking at his physique and his look, it's like I can see how WWE would try to, you know, put you know move him up quicker than usual talent. So the other guy, unfortunately, I don't know anything about. Um, and like I said, I look forward to you know seeing these talents if they do sign. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. Like I said, somebody big that they want to sign and bring right up to the main roster. I'm intrigued. Yeah, no, um, Killer Cross has the look for sure. Uh, reports that I read are that WWE was scouting him for a couple of years, actually, because he just has that pro wrestling cut from granite, you know, everything they look for in a top tier talent. So uh, the what I uh, what I read about this signing is that he may actually show up on the uh, Raw or SmackDown and not even go to an NXT, which would be really something. So uh, we'll see what happens with him. Absolutely. So something you'll probably be hearing us talk a lot more as we become a lot, little bit more familiar with uh, both of those talents. And then last up for the big news that came out this week, which Mr. Fitness kind of talked about, but after the return of Daniel Bryan and Edge, who were both told they would never be cleared again, but then started talking about that AEW, and all of a sudden they got cleared by WWE, and... Uh, Sting is now in talks of being someone who had to retire due to never being able to wrestle again to now all of a sudden there were supposedly rumored to be talks for the Super Showdown show for him to do something in Saudi Arabia. And now the rumor came out today, I think it was, that they're basically Sting versus Takers back on the table for WrestleMania 36, which is just here in a couple months. So... Well, how do you guys feel about a Sting Taker match in 2020? What could they possibly do to make this worth it? I think what we got to do is take a step back and then just say to ourselves, okay, you know, it, it it's a Sting versus Undertaker match in 2020. Mm-hmm. So 
keep the expectations realistic for that kind of match in 2020. Don't let's not, you know, rewind ourselves and go back to 1998 or, you know, 2000 and, and think that we're going to get that kind of match for me personally, I'm, I'm choosing, and this is me training my mind. I'm choosing to want to enjoy this for the fact I've, followed these guys careers for years and i know what they mean to the business is it going to be a a a five-star match no and that's an unrealistic expectation i think uh people need to look at it as an attraction and if you keep it just as an attraction i i think you can find some satisfaction in it i'm gonna break it down to you like this guys if this match happens it's going to be freaking amazing. Here's why. Because you would have the story of Sting coming back for more than likely his last match. And I'm just going to call it the way things are looking with Undertaker. I think they both would want this to be their swan song. And I cannot think of how much energy and buildup would be put into them going at it if that does indeed happen. Um, I'll be excited I will be looking for them to deliver kind of their last hurrah, which from Sting and Undertaker would probably be pretty damn surprising. So I really hope this happens because I think, ironically enough, would I've loved to have this fight in 1998? Absolutely. But you really have a cool story of like two of the oldest cowboys left in town finally having their one last match. That that really could be a really cool story of two old dogs hanging it up together. And that's the, if that does happen, that's the story I want to see. Yeah. And I think the story, the the story and the build will be the best part. The entrances, the stare down. I mean, it's just like Hogan and rock, you know, I mean, the stare down for that. I mean, it would be a moment. Um, Yeah. And I mean, realistically, you look at it. Do you really remember anything about Hogan and rock at WrestleMania 18? Just the stare down. You remember you remember right. the, you remember the build up, you remember getting, you know, the semi truck smashing into the ambulance, you remember the build up, you remember the entrances, you remember the stare down, you remember the crowd reaction, you remember how Hogan turned face and they did the switch during the match, but do you actually remember the match? No, I don't remember a damn thing that happened in no. that match and that's how this one would play out as well. Um so like I said, I you know, as a fan yeah, might be a little sketchy, especially with Sting. God only knows how his neck is and how all of that's playing out. But it could definitely make for a highlight of this year's WrestleMania. So we are excited about that. But let's move on to SmackDown Live from last week. A few things happened that actually turned out to be pretty big. So I'm kind of just going to run through them and let you guys... Uh, Throw it out there. But Miz and Morrison earned a tag team title match at Super Showdown against the New Day. So Miz and Morrison back together, I think, tomorrow night on SmackDown, since we're recording this on Thursday, is the return of the dirt sheet. So they're going all in with this reunion. You guys excited for this? I honestly think this is the the only thing that they could do at this moment with uh, Morrison coming back because there's just there's a lot of talent. And even when I saw that Morris sign, my first initial worry was he is going to get drowned in this big pool of all these talents. So to uh, bring these two guys back together, especially if you're someone that's, you know, remembers when they were together, you know, what, 10, 12 years ago, um, 
this is a good thing. And, and to me, brings more credibility to the tag titles. I, I feel like sometimes those titles kind of, you know, some moments they're a big deal, some moments they're not. So hopefully this can, you know, bring those back into the the light. Yeah, it's a good call. I mean, I, a part of me was almost anticipating John Morrison to have like an AJ Styles like re-debut. Um, but, you know, at the same time, Drew McIntyre went back on the indies, kind of came back to NXT and had, a, you know, didn't have the smoothest of uh, journeys to, you know, where he's at now, thank God. But Morrison is back, and I think this is a good logical place for him to be. It helps The Miz because The Miz is back to doing what he needs to be, which is a heel and winning. And, uh, you know, eventually you'll have another great feud of them breaking up, which, if you can remember, they really never had a good breakup feud the first time, so they actually could give us, you know, a nice long run with them with the belts and then inevitably a nice breakup, which will be a great storyline too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Braun Strowman took on Shinsuke Nakamura, and he actually ended up winning the IC Championship, which is his first singles championship within the WWE, and really his only title because he had the tag belt for, what, a couple weeks with a nine-year-old child? So, I mean, Strowman finally strikes gold. He's no longer allergic to gold or whatever was his problem with not being able to win the big one. He is now the IC champ. Does this legitimize Braun Strowman in any way, or is it too little too late? I actually look at this as a huge positive. Um, in fact, this is another one where I felt like the IC belt was kind of just meaningless. Uh, I didn't think Shinsuke really did anything notable with it, so... Uh, Braun Strowman, I think, even prior to him winning this title, I, I still felt like he was a major player. You know, they gave him plenty of uh, TV time. Yeah, they put him in angles here and there. But um, hopefully this is, you know, uh, the beginning of let, let's give Strowman a, a good push. Let's make this title meaningful again, because growing up, this was my favorite belt. I mean, this was the workman's title. So, I mean, hopefully they can. And I know I keep saying it for years now let's bring it back to that workman title and it seems like they it's there's certain moments that you see hints of that and then all of a sudden it kind of disappears so i guess we'll see uh, it, it's good for him uh, i feel the same way i think it it kind of helps him out but it also helps the belt out because he'll definitely defend it but the other thing i was thinking about before um you know realizing that he won you know, we were in a weird place the last few months, especially where, you know, uh, as far as what the guys are concerned, every uh, single title in WWE on the main shows was held by a heel. The Fiend has the universal title. Brock Lesnar has the championship. Shinsuke had the IC and Andrade had the uni- the U.S. So it's kind of like, man, like, you know, do we just not think faces can hold belts anymore? So it is kind of cool that Str- uh, Strowman's got it. Hope he keeps it for a while because it'll uh, inevitably help both of both him and the belt. So, yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. Now, this episode of SmackDown was called Super SmackDown due to it being Super Bowl weekend last Friday, and this was on Fox. And we got a super ending of some kind, but we had once again Roman Reigns and Corbin and dog food and loser eats dog food which Corbin ended up losing, but then didn't really eat dog food. He was bathed in it, but everyone else was also bathed in the dog food, and they had to handcuff him and beat him up more just to put dog food on him. And this feud that should have ended at the Royal Rumble and should have ended last year 
is still going on. Is this the end of this super feud that never wants to end? Oh, it's it's definitely the end. And it, it's fitting. I get it. You know, it's like Roman Reigns had the dog food put on him. This is the the getting even, the, you know, the payback. And let's make this very clear. This whole story is a PG kid story. So people like us, we may not be really drawn into it or find it entertaining on any level, but let's put ourselves into the mindset, you know, of a nine-year-old, you know, eight-year-old. They probably find this a little more entertaining. So and if that's the case, and if that's what their goal was, I mean, good for them. Uh, clearly, Roman is got to move forward in WrestleMania. He's definitely going to be put into, you know, a, a major match. Yeah, I'm glad that it is over, and hopefully it's there. This week, they are teasing the return of Goldberg returning to SmackDown to make an announcement, which everyone kind of assumes is that he's going to face someone at Super Showdown to get that uh, Saudi payday um, for the crowd and bring his joy over there. So who do you think would be a good matchup for Goldberg, assuming that he is going to wrestle at that event in Saudi Arabia? Well, um, you can guarantee that it's not going to be a long match. <laughs> They're not going to uh, try to make that mistake twice. Um, man, didn't WWE like post some possible opponents? Uh, well, I know there's a big some... rumor about him fighting the Fiend for the Universal Championship. At yeah, time. that ain't happening. Uh, I think unless it is. he's going to take the loss. Oh, he I think it is happening. I think would, that uh, he's going to challenge the fiend. The fiend's going to accept, and the fiend's going to kill Goldberg in Saudi Arabia. Literally. Didn't I hear something that like Kane was going to be fighting the fiend at the? Uh, yeah, I heard that show? as well. So Kane could be, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. They haven't really announced. I see Goldberg fighting King Corbin. <laughs> That's how I. Yeah, see that, that kind of uh, is fitting. I can see, you know, to move this story on. But yeah, I'd be curious. I mean, I'd be down. The Fiend would the Fiend and Goldberg would be a definite attraction that I would kind of want to see just to see how that would go. Because yeah, obviously you'd have to assume the Fiend was going to win, so to see Goldberg lose. Um but yeah, I don't really know. Chances are it's going to be a Dolph Ziggler or King Corbin or a Mojo Rawley. Yeah, right. <laughs> Mojo Rawley. Mojo Raleigh. He's got an entourage now. He's 24-7 champ. He's a big deal. Is the 24-7 champ on both shows? Uh oh. I must say no. He's oh I never see the 24-7 champ because it's always cut from Hulu. Yeah. Um so I don't the really know. 24-7 belt's more like a state of mind, really. It's not really Hey, Mojo actually tried to have an official match with it. So I mean props to him. I did give him credit for that. But this belt is inevitably fun when it's defended like the hardcore championship. That's what no, it needs to be. Let's really be honest. This, this belt is more fun when R Truth has the belt. He should just have it permanently. It should be the R Truth twenty four seven title. He's gonna be like a, a hundred and fifty seven time champ. Yeah. That's all he needs. <laughs> this is all he needs to stay on television and, and be entertaining and collect what, a check. What I was mad about was that they that R, they didn't make R Truth make a big deal about when he passed Ric Flair's total. Yeah, like when he hit it. sixteen, he should have like had a celebration. They should have yeah. made that 
like hilarious. Um, did you guys hear that? I think I texted you guys that that apparently Brock Lesnar had so much fun with that R Truth segment that he's been pitching ideas for storyline angles to do more work with R Truth. Yes, because he always that. he just always respected R Truth, and apparently that whole segment when R Truth came out, Brock didn't know any of that was going to happen. So like everything, so all of his laughing and his reaction was all For genuine. Real. Like he had no idea that that was going to happen and they decided to keep it unscripted for Brock so they could get actual just, you know, gut reactions from him. I, I just, you know what? I really hope that that's true, that, you know, Brock is like really <laughs> likes our, our truth. Cause I think this just goes to show that our truth, I'm convinced in my mind that, he is the most popular wrestler in the locker room. Like he's the guy that everyone loves to see. I could just see him having great conversations with people. And then like, you know, I could just imagine wrestlers when they find out, Oh, I get to work with our truth and do a little angle. I just see excitement. Like I can just picture Brock when he heard, Hey, we're going to have you do a little something with our truth. I'm just envisioning like him going from being that real serious person, to all of a sudden just be like overly joyful, you know? So, I mean, what is there I'm not telling to you this right like now? Our truth better, our truth better get in the Hall of Fame. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Absolutely. You know who doesn't like Ron the Truth Killings? The guy is so good in the ring. He's got more personalities than Jericho, if you really think about it. Like the guy is money. I really, I really hope maybe Brock getting on his side maybe gets a little bit of a push for him because. I mean, he can't probably be, I don't know. He looks like he's in good shape, but who knows how much longer he's got. But Ron the Truth Killings deserves at least a, a shot at the top in WWE, I think, at least once. I yeah. know they kind of messed around with it a little a few years ago when he went heel with Cena and all that, which Cena, was, I right. thought was cool. But, you know, was. give the guy a shot. And he's the perfect example of what you can do in WWE without thinking you want to be the next Stone Cold. You know, you can still, because I can guarantee you he's having fun. And I mean, I understand if you want to be, you have those dreams and those aspirations of being the top. But like I said, you push that hard and you do, what you know, toe the line a little bit. I know we're sounding like kiss asses at the moment. But, you know, you really do that. And I mean, he's gotten more TV time than the majority of people he's gotten. I mean, anything that they give him, he runs with. And I really, like you said, I can't wait to watch that Hall of Fame video package because that's going to be hilarious and 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 just keep in mind it's like his character is garnered for the kids and when you look at you know and i don't know what his numbers are when it comes to merchandise i know he's got a shirt or a couple shirts and then of course you got the 24 7 title the the toy version even you know so it's like it that's a perfect character to grab grab that demographic yeah so I'm excited to see, and hopefully we do see some more Lesnar R-Truth. But let's move over to Raw, where they did open with Randy Orton coming out to give us his reasons why he attacked attacked Edge. And he got a really good heel entrance. Everyone was booing. They didn't really let him talk. And then he kept trying and couldn't do it. And then he basically said, I can't do this, and just left. So, you know, we're having conflicted Randy Orton to build this story with Edge that we assume we're going to get at WrestleMania. You know... When I was watching that segment, now I've been fortunate over the the last few months uh, since uh, the beginning of fall, late summer, you know, I've been able to talk and get to know a lot of independent wrestlers 
that through the you know the local area that you know I I do the the fitness character. What I've come is the the value of expressions, uh, you know, storytelling through through your your face, and also you know the way you react to the the crowd and take time to do that. Like it, I've come to learn that you know when it comes to wrestling, the details. Details, details, details is is critical. It's not just about the wrestling and and how your character looks. So, and I felt Orton, this was like uh, wrestling one hundred and one class. Like if there was a, a, a something to watch, to learn and study, I, I felt like that segment segment was a good one. He never said a word until the very end, but yet you know, you know the story. Well, I think. It, what was so good about it is he's proven that he is masterful at reading the crowd. I think like that's what I took away from that segment more than anything is, you know, the crowd was so hot against him that he had to use that. He didn't try to talk over them. He didn't, he just basked in it. And more people do need to take notice of that. Cause it's like that crowd w- wouldn't let him speak and got even more mad when he wouldn't speak, which is what a true heel would do. You know, we came out to hear what you had to say. Yeah, we're going to boo you and we're going to boo you. And it's like, well, now we're getting even more mad because you're not saying anything. That's he that's him understanding that particular crowd. And who knows, you know, if that crowd wasn't like that, maybe he would have had a promo. But that promo, whatever it was, was perfect. And quite frankly, I don't think he'll end up being conflicted. I think that's just part of evil Randy Orton. I think he absolutely knows what he's doing. And you're going to see him do some even worse shit leading up to this match. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was spot on. Absolutely cool, spot and, on. And I agree with that completely on that. But the cool thing is like to the, the audience that was there to the younger kids, it's like it created more questions and you're wondering, is he sorry? Is he not sorry? And then it's like, okay, you want to watch more. So you're going to tune in next week to see, you know, what is going on in his head. Yeah, we're doing the build to WrestleMania, which is nice because we got a little bit of time. Um, And we even got time before. I mean, we still got four to six weeks from Elimination Chamber, you know. So, I mean, we don't have many shows. Super Showdown, you know, is a nice show to put in between Rumble and Mania because not nothing really needs to happen at Super Showdown. So it's a nice still big event that you can throw in there and not have to worry about blowing off feuds or wasting feuds. Um, yeah. So it was definitely, uh, definitely intriguing. Um, we had another Lana Liv Morgan match. So let me paint a picture here. Several months ago, we had a storyline that started with Rusev returning. And then Bobby Lashley came out and Lana came out and made out with him. And it was a whole storyline of the breakup of Rusev and Lana. And everyone booed and everyone did what they were going to do. But then we turned into a wedding and we turned into just these train car crash segments of just Jerry Springer-esque attitude era, nostalgia, you know, whatever you want to call it. And then we added Liv Morgan at the wedding to the storyline that she was apparently in a relationship with Lana, which got a lot of backlash because why is that a, you know, a thing, you know, that they're in a, relationship together two women yeah that's fine why is that a big deal why are you using that for shock so then they've kind of almost 
backed off with the they never explained their actual relationship as to what they were. They never gave us any actual like, why is Liv Morgan mad at Lana? Who broke up with who? What happened? Who, you know, did that happen while they were married to Rusev? So why should Rusev be mad at Liv Morgan? Because his wife was, you know, the storyline has never made any sense, which I don't think it had to. But now we're at the second Lana Liv Morgan match, which once again lasted two minutes. Uh, Lana lost, Liv Morgan won. Rusev hasn't been on TV since before the Royal Rumble, and reportedly he's off TV because creative doesn't have anything for him to do, regardless of the fact that everybody has been chanting Rusev Day during all of Lana's matches. So now this is the second time Rusev in his WWE career has gotten himself over in spite of WWE's creative, and they're once again pulling him from TV to let it cool down. This whole thing is this, this. This is over, right? I mean, if they don't want to put Rusev back on TV, I'm assuming he's leaving. I mean, he lost every match to Bobby Lashley. Rusev has to be, once his contract is up, he has to be gone. There's no other reason for the storyline to go the way that it went. But what do you guys think about this thing being over before we get into the big swerve that this whole angle took? Uh, well, I mean, I feel like there's a lot to unpack here. I think from the beginning that this storyline was never meant to go long. I think the original intent was it was supposed to be a very short uh, story meant to split Rusev away from Lana. Is it just a burial of Rusev storyline? Is that what all this was? I mean, is that all this was supposed to be? The thing is, Lana signed. Lana signed a new deal. So to me, I felt like this was about Lana. And, and to get her character, you know, on a on a higher platform and, uh, more, you know, utilized better since, you know, she signed the deal. It's almost like a reward for signing. And then, of course, on the flip side, and I'm not even I don't even bash WWE for this. But if if Rusev didn't sign a deal and he's not signing a deal yet or if he's not given any clues as to that he's going to, then, of course, you're not going to push them so um i think this only went longer because lana's performance i think excelled expectations and then when i don't know if it was the wedding segment that got like a ton of youtube views and things like that i mean WWE as a company looks at that stuff as a huge positive because it's you know it's promotion you're, you're promoting the product and, and getting more eyes on it so does it need to be done yes um the Liv morgan uh, oh man, I'm glad that she, you know she's now got a, a feud with Ruby Riot because I, I just felt like it was almost career suicide. Yeah, absolutely. And since you said it, Ruby Riot returned after double sh- shoulder surgery after the match and came to reunite with Liv Morgan, her former Riot Squad teammate, and then she ended up attacking. So now is Ruby Riot another former lover of Lana or current lover of Lana? Is this is she in is this storyline now is she adding to the storyline or are they swerving from the storyline to get Liv Morgan out of it? To me, that's a swerve because I mean they were on a t- you know they were a, a faction together, so um, I, I think that's the direction you go. This but Lana was still it. in the ring while that happened. Like Lana was still part of that beatdown, wasn't she? I'm almost positive she was still standing there reacting to it instead of disappearing. Yeah, she was. But she also um, just lost two in a row to Liv Morgan. I mean, she got pinned twice, so. Yeah. I'm sure it has to be a swerve. 
Yeah, because I I can't see the yeah I can't see the story happening with Lana included. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and I mean, really quick on the whole Rusev thing, when you paint that picture, Chris, which is completely accurate, I do think he's probably an example of somebody that would be better off in another company at this point. I think, you know, as much as I would love to see Rusev on top of the pile in WWE, it obviously isn't working, and we don't know why it's not, but there's got to be more to the story. But, yeah, this guy has gotten himself over two times now with the crowd firmly behind him, and there's obviously a reason they don't want that. So if I was Rusev, it's like, hey, I'm going to take my ball and go somewhere else, and that's probably where they're at with things. And all I'm going to say to that is, because I I agree with that, but I'm also going to say AEW needs to put their foot down and not jump on every bigger name that WWE gets released. Because here's how I look at it. So supposedly the AEW locker room is, it's a very positive one. There's there's supposedly, you know, everyone's, you know, it's, it's like a team. It's like a family. Everyone's on the same page for what the overall goals are. So just remember all these people that are already there. And then if you start bringing in these, these WWE, you know, rejected people, that's going to take one of these originals that already are there in AEW. That that's going to push their spot, you know, off. And then it's like, what kind of message are you sending them? And then you're going to create a similar locker room that is probably found in every wrestling company's locker room, where there's just the the jealousy, the the animosity, and so. Yeah, and I mean, there's no no saying that Rusev would go to AEW. There's, like I said, plenty of other places that he could go. I think he'd get himself over just about any place else that he would go. I would think that Rusev would be a no-brainer for AEW to grab. And, I mean, grabbing him over a Luke Harper would make more sense to me just because you know Rusev. Like I said, like I've said in previous, I have nothing against Luke Harper, but I don't know if he can cut a promo. I don't know what he would actually be worth. His look is very standard for wrestling or wrestler now with the big beard and everything else. Rusev is a very, he stands out. We know he's charismatic. We know he can go. We know what he brings and he knows, he knows how to get himself over. So, I mean, he's a no brainer to bring in cause I'm sure he's a bundle of joy. He's got himself <laughs> over in a Donald duck t-shirt in the ring. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. So it's, it's crazy. And hopefully, you know, Hopefully he they got good things for him wherever he ends up going or whatever he ends up doing. But Ruby Riot's back. It was a nice reaction for her before she beat up Liv Morgan. Since no one knew if Liv Morgan was a good guy or a bad guy, it was a confusing segment. Um, but since we were talking about Lana, did Lana come out with Lashley for the main event? Or no. are they already splitting no. them up? Okay. I'm just curious. But we She's had our main event. We had our our match with Ricochet, Seth Rollins, and Bobby Lashley with the winner to face Lesnar for the WWE Championship at Super Showdown at the end of the month. Uh, Ricochet ended up picking up the win for this match, showing that Bobby Lashley is never going to get that match with Brock Lesnar, and uh, which pissed me off because I really want to see that match. Like and and I really was excited because I was like they're totally gonna do that at Super Showdown. Lashley was gonna win this match. I was a hundred percent convinced going in. I would have bet money that Lashley was gonna win this, and they were gonna do Brock Lesnar and Lashley at Super Showdown. What? Why wouldn't they do that? That just doesn't make any sense to me as to why that didn't happen. And then Ricochet, I have nothing against Ricochet, but yeah, him 
getting squashed by Lesnar in 10 seconds, it just doesn't seem like it was the right choice. And unfortunately we'll never going to, we're never going to see Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. No, I want to see that match. Well, too bad, Chris. To You're never going to see it. I know I'm never going to see it. Yeah. It's the I only reason see... Bobby Lashley came back to WWE and he's never going to get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just want to say Ricochet, let's talk about it, guys. This guy is not good on the mic to the point that actually I think it's actually inhibiting him. Like, I, he's, I don't know if he's too much of a baby face or I, he stutters, it seems like, a little bit when he's delivering his promos. I, it's taken me out of him completely, and it really is kind of like I like the guy in the ring, but it, we got to fix this guy in the mic right now, especially if he's fighting in a title match. To me, it's like if I were to close my eyes and forget what he looks like and I listen to his promo, I'm envisioning a a, a random high school student just spare the moment, just picking up a mic and just delivering a promo. And then that's how I would envision it to sound and what would be said. I mean, he his the tone in his voice, I just feel doesn't uh, match his look very well. And then his pacing is just weird. It's almost like and I know that they micromanage those promos real bad. So maybe he's not good at memorizing and maybe that's what we're seeing as evidence of, you know, just fumbling the script, but either way, it's just, it's not, it's not good. Well, I think it's probably a little bit of column A and B, but the guys had the same promo since he straight, since he stepped up from NXT, every moment is the best moment I've ever been here. Like it's so annoying. Like, Every week, it's like, how are you gonna, how are you gonna win this match, Ricochet? This match is the biggest moment of my career. Okay, last week you said that about the match last week, though, <laughs> and the match before that. But but it's like generic face talk one hundred and one, and it just it's so he's better than this, is my opinion. Like I want to root for this guy, but they're not helping this situation right now. So do you think they actually get a match at Super Showdown, him and Lesnar, or do you think it's going to be a squash? Do you think he's going to get Kofi Kingston? Isn't it? Wait a minute. I thought it was already said it was going to be Lesnar. And no, it is. They're Shane. having a match. But he's do you asking think what they're kind actually of match. Gonna, or is, oh, is it going to be like Lesnar go. and Finn Balor, or is it going to be Lesnar and Kofi it, Kingston? No, they're they're going to do a, a Finn Balor because I, I, I think they're trying to invest in him. Uh, a little bit and given that this is in Saudi Arabia I I, I think the Saudis are going to expect a little bit more time out of uh, a Brock Lesnar match just well you know I think him, his match with Kane Velasquez only went about three minutes uh and <laughs> could you imagine it going longer <laughs> no I didn't even watch it so no that, I don't it, but... if it was a three minute match or uh, then it was uh two minutes and 55 seconds too long because good lord that was brutal to watch I think it'll probably be a 10 minute match tops That's but good. I think I, I think I think ricochet will get some get some good stuff in there and then it will be over you know yeah, he'll low blow Brock. He'll low blow Brock to get. I mean, we know how this is gonna go, right? He gets right. thrown around for five minutes, and he low blows Brock. Then he gets his little bit of offense, and he gets at five, and it's over. Yeah, right? and he'll hit his move like four times, and he'll think he's gonna win, and then Brock will have five him. 
There we go. Um, so Charlotte Flair comes out again to announce who she's picking for her WrestleMania opponent. And all night, the commentators were going, it's going to be Bailey or Becky, Bailey or Becky. Both Bailey and Becky made their comments about how, well, I've beaten Charlotte before. I don't need to fight her, but I'll beat her again. And while uh, Charlotte's out kind of milking the moment, Rhea Ripley's music hits from NXT, the NXT Women's Champ, and Rhea, Rhea, Rhea Ripley comes out to challenge Charlotte Flair for the NXT, you know, for her belt at WrestleMania. So it really looks like, because then we're going to dump it, jump into it here in a minute with Wednesday Night Wrestling and the women of Wednesday Night and what they do. But Flair showed up on NXT to uh, to talk about that challenge. So it looks like Charlotte is NXT bound, I guess. Um, but how'd you guys feel about is this a breath of fresh air for you guys, or is this kind of a uh, I want to see Bailey or Becky and Charlotte again? Okay, so <laughs> I know the answer, but Corey could curveball me though. The, the, well, here's the thing with the the, the Charlotte thing in in this Rhea Ripley. It's like what motivation for Rhea Ripley? I, I I don't get why. I can understand why Rhea came out and wants to. You know, prove herself and, and and face a an established female superstar, and Charlotte's the the perfect one. But if I'm Charlotte, why do I want to go back to that? That's that was when she was coming up. She was NXT. That was the the beginning of her journey. So it's like to me, why am I going to go backwards to get a belt that I got when I was just starting? Because NXT, I'm going to say it again, it's it's not the third brand yet. It's but it's supposed to be Corey. Corey, and you have to treat it like the third brand now. They have to change their presentation. Well, they're not. So you I have to get over it. You hey, you love WWE. I, you gotta love it. Love what I, they're giving you. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I like the NXT. I, I I love NXT for how it's different than WWE. And because of that, that's why I don't think it can be the third brand. I, and I know I said this earlier that I, I had hopes that NXT would. Well, like I said last week, it's got to require a, a change in production value. Hey, and I'm, I'm actually just giving you a hard time. Oh, no, for no, the most, please. For the most part, I agree with you. Because I, I, I the know logic is sound. Worry. I mean, you know, she did have the NXT women's title before. Um, I think the storyline story needs to be more about Rhea Ripley and that I haven't beat you. Because that makes Rhea Ripley look like a beast. I mean, she already is a beast, but I think the storyline doesn't need to be so much about NXT as much as it is about Rhea Ripley. Yeah, and that's what I think they're doing because, like I said, Rhea did pick up that win over Charlotte Flair on SmackDown leading into Survivor Series. So I think it's that whole thing like, I beat you, and this is Rhea's moment to step up and... She thinks she's got Charlotte's number and whether she does or not is still obviously to be seen and whether or not, because I guess we'll just jump into it right now since we're talking about it. But on NXT, we had Bianca Belair in the ring who's facing Rhea Ripley at uh, TakeOver Portland next week, I believe. And Charlotte came out and interrupted Bianca and then basically snubbed Bianca Belair, and Bianca Belair was cracking me up, that whole promo, that whole thing. Charlotte was putting her hand in Bianca's face, and she was like, what is happening right now? Because Rhea came out, and they started focusing on each other, and it was a really nice way to do the whole, like, 
you know, you had Charlotte and Rhea planning for WrestleMania, but then it's like, well, Rhea's still got to get through Bianca Belair next week. And if you set this match up too early, then everyone's going to be like, oh, well, we know who's going to win next week at Portland. And after this feud or after this segment, I really didn't know who was going to win next week in Portland because I could really see them doing, especially after that Rumble performance, I could see them doing Charlotte and Bianca as well. And then if you want to throw them as a triple threat at Mania, I mean, there's your match of the night right there. So it was a really good done segment that ended with both Rhea and Bianca attacking Charlotte before she really said anything. So we're going to build this story, which really, like I said, regardless of if it makes sense or not for Charlotte wanting to go, it seems like this is where Charlotte and why she won the Rumble is to go back to NXT and to probably try to pop a rating for NXT. It, it, it'll certainly do that. I mean, so if so that's her goal, by all means, go for it. Now, would you rather see which one, which pairing would you rather see? Bianca and Charlotte or Rhea and Charlotte? Rhea and Charlotte all day long. I Nothing against Bianca. She's, she's not there yet. It, she's getting there. And I know somebody's going to probably bash me in a second, but um, she's not there yet. So to And, and I don't want to see a triple threat at WrestleMania with three women women for a title i'm fine with that yeah i think uh no matter what's going on i think the women's lineup at wrestlemania match wise is going to be pretty awesome yeah if you if you really head towards the idea of doing bailey and sasha becky and Shayna and Rhea and charlotte i mean that's that's wrestlemania right there i don't think that i mean Brock and Drew, I mean, WrestleMania, I mean, if we really start looking at it, and if you think you're going to get Roman and The Fiend, Drew and Brock, Undertaker, Sting, those three women matches, I mean, right there, I don't need anything else added to that card. And then you throw Edge and Orton in there. It's going to be a hell of a card. That's a hell of a card that they're setting up for Mania if that's really the direction that they're headed. I think so. It's very, very exciting. I guess Um, I'll have to tell my new job that I need a week in uh, April. I was just about to make that kind of like, this is enough to make Ed uh, call off some days. <laughs> you ready to go back to WrestleMania after you That's, took one I, year? Well, off. I've got one of my best friends down there, and I think he'll give me a lot of crap if I don't find a way to go to the WrestleMania that's in his hometown. So, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Um, but we did get the numbers in. So Charlotte Flair coming into NXT did pop a rating, but not as much. They went up uh, to 770 thousand viewers which is up from 712 aew dynamite was watched by 928 viewers which is up from 828 so dynamite is still pulling ahead and finding the viewers um and they were almost were getting creeping back up to that million mark so that's uh good for them that they're hitting that especially after just signing that big deal um renewal that they got coming out and heading towards their revolution pay-per-view which i know you guys are going to and are very excited about but i know one of the things that's always kind of happening we just talked about all the women in nxt we talked about that amazing segment they had with charlotte we had all of this stuff and let's kind of jump right into aew dynamite here a little bit and tie in the women because we had Britt baker and she took on uh yuki sakazaki you know what? I, I'm going to say this disclaimer. If there's anybody that is listening that is a fan of Japanese women's wrestling, this might be the time to, you know, fast forward a few minutes for I do not want to offend 
as I understand that wrestling, there's a variety. It's a buffet. There's something for everyone. This next few minutes is just the part that's not for me. So where do I begin? Oh, well, let's start with the fact that the women's champion is still a 90-pound, non-believable Japanese wrestler that can't talk. And on top of it, she is not there every week because apparently maybe traveling from Japan back to, to the States is difficult. I don't know. But Britt Baker, as much as these two that I, I do this podcast with don't always agree, Britt Baker is a a woman star in AEW, period. The look, she can deliver a promo. She needs to be treated like an actual star. But this week, we get her fighting in a match. I'm excited about it. My son was even excited about it. But then all of a sudden, we look for the opponent, and my son makes the perfect point of what this issue is. My son goes, who's that? And we're referring to Britt Baker's opponent. And I had to tell my son, I don't know. Why don't I know? Because Kenny Omega is apparently got a, a hard on for Japanese women's wrestling being that he's from he did a lot of wrestling in Japan and the problem is it, it's all these Japanese stars but it's like I don't know anything about them they keep coming back every week to wrestle but I don't know anything about their story their character and then to top it all off you make Britt Baker lose she just began this heel turn and you're gonna make her lose what purpose does that serve well, she lost by a roll-up, so, you know, I mean, Which everybody falls for a roll-up. And I, and I just want to disclaimer before all the hate mail comes into Corey's way, that Corey enjoys the Kabuki Warriors because they have a storyline and their characters have been built. No, so, and this is an AEW problem. This it isn't, is. This isn't, this isn't, you know, because they could bring in Ryu, they can bring in Yuka. I mean, those are the main two Japanese ones that have been coming in. I know they were part of the triple threat with Nyla Rose that I think one of the events all out or one of the things you guys went to. And they're not telling stories with any of these women. Britt Baker and Nyla Rose are really the only two women in that whole division that they've actually took the time and the energy to build up or to do anything with. So why the two of them aren't fighting every week for the championship, why that wasn't the championship match at the first dynamite. It should have been Britt Baker as a face and Nyla Rose as the heel and either one winning was going to be good for business. And they went with Ryu and that's fine because honest to God, that first episode of dynamite, I loved that match with Nyla Rose. Like Ryu looked like a beast. And then I saw the match the next week with Ryu and Britt Baker and it was trash. And unfortunately I've only seen trash matches out of Britt Baker. So I still can't get behind her, but at least they made her a heel. So she doesn't necessarily have to perform in the ring. And that's a good place for Britt Baker. So, I, this is an AEW problem. This isn't a, you know, what nationality the women are. You know, it's it really comes down to they need to book these women. If they want to use, if Kenny Omega wants to come in and bring these women in, they need to give them stories. They need to give them characters. They need to give them a reason for the fans of whatever culture to want to care because right now nobody cares about them, you know, unless you're a hardcore, which maybe maybe we aren't, you know, and maybe AEW, so the standard AEW fan might know who they are and be super excited. But JR was pronouncing this lady's name wrong last night on AEW Dynamite because he said Sakazawi. 
So he's still, he didn't even know as your lead commentators who she was. So that's an AEW problem. And Suck it to me. I'm good old JR. Suck it to me. And I appreciate my, my fellow podcasters here for mentioning that. And I need to say this again. If I offended anybody, I apologize. I actually do not have a problem with Japanese women's wrestling. Ed is right. I'm actually a fan of the Kabuki Warriors. Um, and I think Chris made said it better than the way I delivered it. <laughs> it's it's the storylines that I have a problem with because I can't get invested in these people if I don't know who they are. So once again, I repeat, I apologize if I offended anybody by my comments about Japanese women. And I think you can breathe better because I think the relief is coming next week because next week Ryu is defending her championship against Nyla Rose. And chances are they're going to correct that wrong. And Nyla Rose is going to win the championship because I can't imagine them keeping it on Ryu for much longer because they really haven't done anything with her as being champ. So hopefully Nyla Rose, (laughs) they correct that wrong from the first episode of Dynamite. Nyla Rose becomes champ. They can build whatever story they want to build. Now having Britt Baker as a heel kind of mucks that up a little bit. Let's uh, jump back into, I know you guys were excited about a lot of things with AEW. Um, I know SCU beat the best friends to uh, now face Kenny Omega and Paige for the tag titles at some point. I don't know if that's next week. I don't know if that's at the pay-per-view, but I know that they've been really uh, getting their rematch in there for SCU since they were the tag champs before, correct? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, and actually, I, it's I'm intrigued by this because I keep thinking to myself, you know, given that you know Ed and I are going to be going to this Revolution pay per view, I'm wondering, is it going to be a tag team match we're going to see, or we're going to get, you know, or are they going to split Kenny Omega and Hangman Page and finally do that singles match? But I don't know. I th- I I really think what they're building towards, what I think you guys are going to get at that pay per view, is going to be uh, Kenny and Page versus the Bucks. Which I'm okay with. I mean, oh hell yeah, that would be a match. That'd deliver. be the match of the night. Yeah. So, but I mean, you know. I AEW's done a really great job with the build with the dissension within the elite, the whole Hangman Page and having this problem with the Young Bucks. I know that was a whole big thing on this this episode where uh, Hangman Page refused to tag in the Bucks throughout the night and ended up losing that match due to his just I'll I'll tag in Kenny, but I'm not touching the Bucks, and just really his just problem his drunken problems with the young bucks is just kind of a been very entertaining and it's a nice slow build and i would imagine the payoff has to i mean comes at revolution they did just announce i think in may double or nothing two is going to be at back in vegas in may so maybe they drag it out that long but chances are that a probably revolution here at the end of the month will be when they at least set up a tag match i don't imagine um, I would. I yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think? You know what? But as you say that though, I, I, I have to compliment AEW with the fact that they do try to like take their time with stories. They don't just try to rush it. So I guess I'm now that you're saying that, I almost take my comment back. I think they'll do the tag team match at Revolution. You know, now whether that'll be the moment where Hangman finally snaps or not, we'll we'll see. But. Yeah, they definitely do really good with the storytelling and the pacing of it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, unfortunately, not every story is handled with as much love and care as the ones that do involve the elite, um, because you have the Dark Order angle that's kind of messy up there. And you're kind of like, okay, are they going to bring in a big name to lead this group to give them a purpose or give them something? Or are they going to keep kind of just letting this thing drag itself through the mud, I think. I don't know if you guys are fully enjoying the Dark Order. I like it. I think it's cool. It's old school. Uh, it's storytelling about you know a heel group finding its finding its groove, you know, and I think that the leader is going to be really awesome. I hope uh, there's a part of me that really thinks it'd be great if it was Christopher Daniels to get back to a fall in the angel gimmick, which is what he does best. But you know they could end up doing a a completely new person. But I'm intrigued. I like the Dark Order storyline now. I really it started off being weird. Now I now I'm starting to dig it. I got into it the moment that they started doing those promo commercials. Like it seemed like just a normal commercial and everything seemed very positive and it was very cultish. I, I, that's when I got into it. And then I have to go with that on this one. It, it's got an old school vibe to it. And yeah, of course the rumors were Marty scroll was going to, you know, be the, the, that the higher power, the leader or whatever. But the cool thing is they can prolong this. And it's like, you know, whether it's Christopher Daniels, whether it's um Matt Hardy, um, there, there's definitely some people that I could see that could fit into that role of being the leader of that group and, and taking that group, you know, to figure out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's there, but, you know, it's just... Chris, so you weird. liked it when the fat guy got slapped for wanting friends. That's, that's, when, you, on, that's when you got to, sold on it. Honest to God, yeah, that was... Yeah, I just want to have friends... Screw that and slapped him. Yeah, that was that was that was good TV. So then uh, Dynamite closed with Cody Rhodes taking his lashings from MJF. He needed to take 10 lashings. That was part of the stipulation to get his match with MJF at uh, Revolution. So Cody came out fanfare and all, and he sold some belt lashings like a like a Oscar caliber actor. And uh, everyone was all the good guys, all the bad guys were coming out slowly during the event to see, get a closer look. And then all the good guys started coming out to like either encourage. I know Dustin, Dustin came out at some point and was like, I'll take the other half. And then, then when MJF was like, Nope, then they all just were like rooting Cody Rhodes on. And he took a, he took a beating from MJF to get that stipulation to get that get that match and I know you guys you know how do you guys feel about this segment is this is this good storytelling or was it just cheesy wrestling I will tell you this right now I loved it you got when you take a step this is a segment where all it is is just one man that has to take 10 lashes in order to get, you know, as part one of a series of things he's got to do to get out. When you look at that on paper, you're just like, okay, that's going to be kind of boring. How do you make that entertaining and and still be able to tell a story? That presentation, now I know on the internet there's there's been a debate, oh, did they go too far? Is it Was it too intense? Were they pushing the envelope too much? No. You know what? That's storytelling that got you behind Cody throughout that whole thing. I mean, goodness. I mean, this is a moment where you, you suspend the, the, the disbelief and you, you, you're suddenly 
firmly emotionally attached to Cody and what he's going through. Like to me, I was when Dustin came out, you know, I was I was into it. I was emotionally into it. I'm like, oh my God, someone's, you know, like, stop, stop. This is too much. It's too intense. And and then all of a sudden you get to a point where it's like you're you're rooting, you're like, okay, Cody, just just a few more. You can get through it. You can get through it. And I mean, when you look at his back, that he took some legit shots. Yeah, I don't think he had to try very hard to sell it. Well, guys, I mean, <laughs> this was, I mean, I'm not trying to get too b- biblical here, but the Catholic in me was activated watching this. I'm just saying, this was like watching the passion <laughs> of the Cody. Like, this guy went through every everything, and, like, I'm sitting there going, are they making him, like, a Christ-like figure in pro wrestling? But that's the way, I, that's how you get someone over as a face, man. Like, it, it's... You know, well, it, there are sections works. of there it are works. sections of the, their audience that thinks of him to that level. So, I know. I mean, <laughs> I wonder if that's partially where some of this stuff came from. They're like, well, if they think I'm this kind of figure, then let's right. go all the way. You know, no, I mean, there's a time mean, he'll be being crucified. You know, there was yeah, a exactly. time that there was a time people brought signs that said Foley is God. I mean, now exactly. I guess we're evolving into the the, the Cody is that, God. Well, you know what? That's what I liked about it personally, because I'm sitting there going, you know, there's some deep storytelling happening right now, and that's going to make me want to see the match that much the more, you know? How often have you seen a show end like that? Never. But, that's, that's, but do you know what I love in that, like that? Do you know one of the small things in that segment I really love, though? After uh, MJF gave the last one... Which I loved that the last one was done in the front. I don't know why. It, it just, it, but when it was all said and done, and he took it, I loved MJF's reaction. He was like disappointed because that's a sign of MJF for the first time showing a sign of he doesn't want to fight him. There's there's a little bit of a fear, and it was very subtle. You had you had to pay attention to it, but I love that. I really do. That's. Awesome, you guys got me all excited about AEW. We're just going to hit a couple highlights in NXT and get out of here. Corey, finally watched some Broserweights. Tell me you jumped above. You climbed aboard. They started coming out in the Broserweight mobile, bringing their Dusty Championship trophy. Matt Riddle was in the ring talking about Bobby Fish. How much fish could Bobby Fish fry? Bobby Fish could fry fish. Trying to make Pete Dunne laugh. Come on, Corey. This is you gold. Know, this is gold. Okay, so, so for people that heard heard last week's episode, I obviously was just I, I looked at the, the this whole thing as as a joke. It's stupid. It's ruining Pete Dunn. Um, and to and truth be told, I hadn't been watching the NXT product and keeping up. So I'm just looking this at this you know on paper. Well, then this week I'll admit I did watch NXT. And I went into it purposely wanting to hate it. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to rip this. I'm going to hate it. I'm going to have all this stuff. I got my notepad out. I'm going to make sure I got a whole bunch of stuff to say because, you know, I already got a lot to say about the Japanese women thing in AEW. So let me have some negative stuff to say about NXT. And when they came out with that golf cart (laughs) and the trophy and then the, the, you know, um, Matt Riddle and his promo, I mean, I couldn't hate it. I just could because I was like, oh, my God, this is modern day rock sock connection stuff here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, by God, we got this Pete Dunn who's just a, a, a bruiser. Way. He's tough. He's, you know, all this. And then you got freaking Matt 
Riddle just freaking doing the the Bobby Fish Riddle thing. I I loved it. I'm just gonna say I loved it. I take my comments back from last week. This is good stuff. Yeah, they've been cutting good promos. They're an entertaining tag team. Um, now is Matt Riddle is he the best or the worst promo in the business? Like because he makes. His promos aren't good, but they're entertaining as hell, and they always seem like they're off the cuff, and almost like, is he supposed to say that? Like, he he's one of the only people within that company that does not seem scripted in any way, especially as he's been, they've been really heading down the whole marijuana route with him, but it's just like, he really, it's like, is he really that good, or is it just accidental? No, he's that good. <laughs> like, Matt Riddle is... That good, and Matt <laughs> but Riddle he presents is it like going it's to... off the cuff. That's yeah. amazing. Matt Riddle is the most comfortable person in his own skin on the planet, I think. And mm-hmm. there's something really confident about that guy. Like as crazy as I know, we talked about the whole challenging Brock thing. A part of me just respects it because he's a madman. He's crazy, and we need more crazy in the world of wrestling. You know, he's trying to, I think he actually tries, he's trying to make kayfabe alive again in some way, shape or form. And I really appreciate that it's about Matt Riddle. So I think he's that good, but he could be that bad, but I think he's that good. Hey, it comes across great on TV and whatever he's doing, I think is, uh, hopefully leads to big things. They did close out their big match. They had the Broserweights and Tommaso Ciampa fighting the Undisputed Era. Um, it was Bobby Fish. Adam Cole and the other tag team guy that I cannot remember his name at the moment. Kyle O'Reilly. Kyle O'Reilly. Ugh. Never forget Kyle O'Reilly, man. I forgot Kyle O'Reilly. You can't forget Kyle O'Reilly. I well, I said Bobby Fish first because I had the Bobby Fish frying fish. So then you got to say their names in order. Anyway, <laughs> and then to close out the show, we had the return of the Velvet. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> way to muck that up. <laughs> the return of the Velveteen Dream. Return to NXT to beat up the entire Undisputed Era. Then he beat up Roderick Strong and gave him that beautiful Dream Valley Driver, which is just one of the most beautiful moves in professional wrestling. And then he ripped off his tights to have tights underneath that had him, his face with Roderick Strong's family. And it said, call me uh, Marina on his ass. And that, I mean, it was like... It was Roderick Strong's kid and Marina Shafir and Velveteen Dream on his tights. That was some Rick Rude level shit there. Yes, that's hilarious. That's what he does. And I know it was just it was just so good with the family on there and call me Marina on his ass. And I mean, and then with the fact that he couldn't get the tights off, so they were tied around his feet. So he was just trying not to fall down. Like all of that was just to me. It was just man. That was a good ending. I mean, it, I know it wasn't a, a, a you know Passion of the Christ lashings. It was a different kind of ending, but it was it was a good ending to that show. But it's Velveteen Dream, and it reminds us that we have truly missed him, and he is a much critical piece to not only the success of NXT but the success of WWE. I'm gonna call it. This guy is a major player. Um, and delivers every time. This character is so unique. It can't be compared to really anybody. And I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of marked out because it brought me back. I, I flashed back in time. A little kid. The ravishing recruit. 
tights with uh, Jake the Snake's wife on there. I remember that story. I was totally hooked on that story as a kid, you know. So this definitely gave me a little bit of a a flashback to that. But and love should, it, love it, love it. And it, that's what it should do, Corey. This guy, I really believe, part of the Velveteen Dreams appeal is he's trying to channel these 80s gimmicks take little parts of each one and add it into him and it's so awesome and i I just think that's the best thing you can do now to differentiate yourself is to reach back to that era because i think almost people feel it's untouchable it's not borrow bro borrow all you want like that was the one of the best times to be a fan and like if you're a good enough guy that you can pull off doing a diving elbow like the Macho Man and having Rick Rude tights as the new target. Every time he has a new feud, he's got the, the new tights. Hey, yeah. man, do your thing. I love it. Now, Velveteen Dream, very glad he's back because chances are that means heading into WrestleMania, big things because he missed Survivor Series, um, which he you know he would have been a big part of all of that Survivor Series stuff if he would have been healthy at that time. Um, so re- heading into WrestleMania, there is someone who said they want to come back and they want to have a match and they want to be a part of WrestleMania this year. And it is also someone who said that Velveteen Dream is the future of the WWE and believes out of everyone in NXT, they can be the next Stone Cold and next big top guy. And that man is John Cena. So what do you think the chances that we could get Velveteen Dream versus John Cena? And how would that make that card that much better? I already know it would. That would be awesome. <laughs> God, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know any of that stuff before yeah. you said it, Chris. And yeah. as I'm letting it sink in, I'm just like, uh, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John Cena, money. Has, John Cena has said in interviews before when they ask who the future is, you know, who's the future when you look at that? He said Velveteen Dream. And he, he's even said in interviews that that is someone he'd love to face. And then he, he has said that he wants to face someone, you know, like he wants to be a part of this year's WrestleMania since he kind of didn't do last year's. And this is probably going to be one of his last WrestleMania opportunities, realistically, is now he's going to be in Fast 9 as we all saw that trailer. And, you know, he's he's really coming in his own and doing his thing. He was in a commercial at the Super Bowl. Chances are this is probably going to be his last WrestleMania and could be John Cena's last match. So, I mean, for him to drop, you know, take an L to Velveteen Dream at WrestleMania in Tampa, that would be, I mean, that would, God. I mean, this card on paper is just like, this, this WrestleMania could be one of the best ever if they really yeah. can pull off yeah. the matches yeah. that they want. Then mm-hmm. you know they don't muck it up. Uh, I, I could be getting docked because I might have to travel down there and there you go. take a day off work. And there, there's a rule in my contract: I'll get docked if I t- take off the day after WrestleMania because <laughs> it, it's the end of my spring break. Docked. Yeah, whatever. Dock Some this. things are worth it. Some things are worth it. Be like, be like Chris and Ed who just quit their jobs and their careers because whatever. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were. Just and with that, off. we've gone long enough. This was a big episode. There was a lot of crap that happened this week. Make sure, 
shoot us an email at 123yeswrestling at gmail.com. Run over to our anchor.fm page and shoot us a voicemail so we can add it to the show. Questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, anecdotes, anything that you want to share with us or be part of the show, hit us up on Facebook, like us on Twitter, follow us wherever you follow, listen wherever you do, leave a review for all of the podcast services that we are now a part of, and how many stars do we want on those services? Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars is what we're looking for. Hook us up. We'll read it on the air. And uh, I think that's it, gentlemen. Do you have anything else? I got nothing. I've said what I need to say. Well, then, gentlemen, it's always a pleasure when we get together. Take it easy. Bye.